Welcome to Disruption Blueprint with Shannon Spotswood from RFG Advisory. In this podcast, we help advisors grow their net worth, build their businesses, and maximize their independence. We've built an award-winning platform with innovative technology, comprehensive service, and a team of individuals who are experts in their field to serve advisors. Join us for this journey where we explore everything that has to do with running an independent advisor practice as we bring together successful advisors, industry experts, and innovative minds who are on the bleeding edge to challenge the status quo, foster new ideas, and create a path for advisors to unleash their growth potential. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Disruption Blueprint. We are lucky to have Michael Futterman joining us today in the studio. Michael is a coach to elite athletes. He's a motivational speaker. He's a management consultant. Welcome, Michael. It's so good to be with you. It's good to be here, Shannon. Thank you so much. And it's a Monday and I freaking love Mondays. It's my favorite day of the week because it's like endless and boundless opportunity awaits us. So I'm so fired up that we were able to do this today. I'm excited too. Mondays are... um that great balance between anticipation and opportunity. Well, what I love about our podcast is you and I are LinkedIn friends. And I find like that is one of the most, like one of the richest environments to get to know someone. And we connected over a series of kind of trading, you know, messages back and forth on each other's posts that were anchored in a lot of of what we're going to talk about today. So I really almost want to jump in like midstream on our conversation. And and we're going to bring all of our listeners along because I just think you've got such an interesting perspective on on an area in wealth management and for financial advisors that I don't think gets enough airtime. And that is around kind of the, 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 the science and the psychology of how we condition our, our bodies, how we condition our minds and how we show up and really take care of ourselves as the leaders of our firms, as advisors who are growing and building thriving practices, especially now when we're in the grips of this just tremendous disruptional, um, tremendous moment of disruption and change. So, you know, this is is where you and I were talking. I'm going to start there. And it's basically, we're all conditioned to conserve energy, to seek seek predictability, avoid situations that invoke fear and risk. Yet, as entrepreneurs, we run full tilt towards risk at full steam, which is pretty much the opposite of what our biology is programmed to do. So how do you coach advisors to be what I'm going to call an endurance entrepreneur. So able to operate at peak levels for prolonged periods of time. How, I mean, how do you coach advisors to do that? Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head, right? It's a contradiction, right? We have these biological imperatives to preserve our energy and and have energy in the tank to kind of do what we need to do. And that comes from a survival instinct, right? If we use up all our energy all day striving, then that rustle in the bushes that could be a saber-toothed tiger or something trying to hurt us, we need to have that sort of reserve of energy. So we have this biological imperative to 
preserve some of that energy in the tank. But at the same time, we also have this instinct to create and to exert our influence over our environment. And so balancing those things is really the core of what I think is important for people to remember is that we have to have energy in and energy out. So energy out is striving and energy in is recovery. And there are a lot of ways that we can get recovery and we can talk about what those things are. But that's essentially sort of the challenge that I find with the advisors that I work with is that we've got two types of people out there. We've got those that sort of don't shut off. And I'm sure you're familiar with those, Shannon, right? The ones that are go, go, go all the time. I think that you might be familiar with that concept. Um, Uh, I might resemble that comment. (laughs) You might resemble that remark, right? Yeah. And then there are others that, for lack of a better description, right, they've become somewhat complacent. They might be a little bit um, satisfied in the station that they've achieved in life. And by that sort of orientation, they might not strive quite as much. So so really finding the anchor for each of those or sort of the catalyst for each of those is it's sort of rooted in this sort of balance concept, right? For those that aren't striving, it's around finding that thing that they can sort of latch onto with what I would describe as their discretionary effort. And for those that are always go, 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 it's really more about, hey, look, everything's going great, but we need to help you find balance here. So that's that's kind of what I talk to them about. So let's take them in the order that you just put them on the table and, and tackle sure. first that complacency. Because oftentimes I find when I talk to advisors that are there, it's because they're burnout or they're just overwhelmed by whether it's the technology or the marketing, or they just have, you know, just feel starved of time. There's a tremendous amount of operational mm-hmm. inefficiency, or they're struggling with having the right members of the team. So dig into that a little bit more. Let's let's start with, you know, the this this like I'm a little bit stuck. How do you help advisors get out of that? Yeah, I think. You're going to hear this as a uh, a recurring theme with our conversation today. And a lot of it is around mindset. It's around what do I believe about the situation that I'm faced with today? Um, And we'll come back to this idea of thoughts leading to um, feelings, which leads to action. And if we can really understand that through really reflection of uh, our own patterns of thinking, we have a better opportunity to to change it going down the road. So we'll come back to that over and over. But when it comes to those that are complacent, really the question that we have to ask them is, what are the things that you wish were happening that aren't happening today? And complacency, you know, it comes in a lot of forms. There are some that are just really comfortable with where they've gotten to. And uh, there are others that are afraid I think in a lot of ways to take any action because they're afraid to disrupt what they are doing today, what's working today. But the reality is, is that there's always going to be outside forces, market forces, environmental forces. I mean, nobody was really prepared for something like the pandemic and how that was going to shift the way that we worked with each other. Unfortunately, we live in a time where there's technology like what we're using today, things like Zoom, things you know, like being able to work from virtually anywhere that allowed us to take advantage of that. But, but the point is, is that the ones that are afraid to sort of evolve 
are the ones that are going to be ill prepared for when those black swans come into play here. So that's that's those people. So so that's one side of it. The people who are complacent. The other side of it are the people, and this is a more interesting challenge for me. I think I think it's it's richer in, in a lot of cases. Is those people that never shut off. Right. Is the ones that feel like I can't. There's no. I can always do more. I can always like push the envelope. I can always be making another phone call, staying at the office longer, you know, always be closing that mindset. And I think that um, they're both destructive, the complacency mindset and the um, go, go, go mindset, but they're destructive in different ways. And I use that word destructive because I think that it's often that go, go, go mindset can often be at the expense of our well-being and our, our our mental well-being, our physical well-being, our uh, social well-being. You and I talked about that a little bit around sleep and management of sleep and how our minds might not shut off. Do you want to do you want to go into that a little bit? I think it's really helpful because I, I, this is what I believe is advisors are feeling the burnout. They're feeling the pressure. I mean, they sit in such a um, high intensity intersection of people's lives. And I think that that is somewhat of the unsung heroism of our industry is that, you know, the advisor is the one who gets the call when there's a death in the family, when there's the need for financing for addictions, when there's divorce, when there's, you know, funding college, like there's a lot of wins and milestones that are celebrated in building a financial plan, but life is messy. So there's just as many curveballs and there's just as much like, I think, pressure on the advisor to to be the emotional bedrock for their clients. Yeah. So let's let's yeah. t- let's dig in a little bit more about some of these healthy habits on how do you and I love this idea that we came up with of like endurance entrepreneurs. I always talk with my team that we're running a sprint marathon. Right? There's these we're ultimately running a marathon building RFG building this RA of the future, but we're oftentimes finding ourselves like we're sprinting a hundred meter dash, right? It's hard. So let's, let's, let's talk about the tools that you really recommend for advisors to, to, that are living in that go, go, go world. Yeah. So I want to come back to something that you mentioned at the beginning of this, of this concept. And that is um, that we're really, you know, the advisors are at that intersection of the most important moments in people's lives. And if the advisor is doing their job, right, and not just selling product, right, you talked about the financial plan and really understanding, I often uh, talk with my clients about understanding that money is not an end in itself, it's a means to an end. And if you don't understand the the the, the things that your clients want from their money, or from their investments, or from their plan, then you're missing a critical part of that. So, so we've got this sort of set of data that advisors use to help make the best decisions for their clients. And the process of going through the planning is about anticipating variables, anticipating events. And that can often cause the advisor to be always thinking about, well, what if, what if, what if, and it's what if I don't talk to my client enough? What if I'm not anticipating the, you know, the shifts in the market? What if I'm not paying attention enough? And it's important for the advisor to recognize 
like your beliefs can often drive this sort of manic behavior. And I can give you an example of that. I have uh, one client that I'm working with, and we were talking about their marketing plan. And they believed that they needed to get out um, a certain amount of blog posts. And the blog posts had to be very specific, very, very clear about the brand and about who they are. And I said, you know, how many clients read your blog? Do you have any measurement on that? And they were like, I don't know. I said, okay, so that's the first step, like just becoming aware of whether or not the amount of energy that you are putting towards this particular thing in your business is equivalent to the number of people or the amount of exposure that that thing has in your business. We, we basically come to these situations and where, where the advisor might be thinking like, this is super important. It has critical importance. But when you measure it against the data that's out there, lack of data or existing data, what I find is that my clients often realize like, oh, right. Like I may think that this is super critical and that this is a absolute sort of mission central piece. But when I look at the exposure that it has, it's it's pretty minimal. So I think the point that I would want the listeners to take away here is examine your beliefs. And, and the guiding question that I have for the advisor that is experiencing this sort of mania or, or anxiety or ambivalence around a particular part of their business, am I spending enough time on this thing, is what data do you have to support that belief? And very often that question alone can help my clients sort of sit back and say, oh, right, you're right. I'm making this bigger than it might need to be. And, and that's maybe one of those big challenges that, that your audience is having is, am I spending the right amount of time on the things that are really critical for my business? And I think that that goes back to being an entrepreneur and doing everything, yeah. to then moving your business to a more I mean, mature- Michael- That is such an excellent point. Like we all are guilty of like you're, you know, and I, I certainly have found myself in this situation where you're really good at like these hard, big, strategically important decisions. And you, 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 you take this analytical, analytical approach to it. And then all of a sudden you're like spinning out over here over something that is not material and really ultimately doesn't matter. And you're just putting a tremendous amount of energy into it. And what I have found in, for me in those situations, it's when there's, you know, I love that Simon Sinek, like if you don't understand people, you don't understand business because everything about business is people. But I feel like that's where you can really start spinning out of control is you get almost kind of sucked into the drama of a situation or you're just like, it, it becomes a much bigger deal than it needs to be. Yeah. Our minds are going to do really incredible things to protect us. And that goes back to that first question is that we're conditioned to conserve energy, but we're also conditioned to influence our environment, right? This locus of control, internal locus of control, 
versus external locus of control, and then this whole idea of conserving energy. So we've got this sort of biological imperative to, I don't want to say catastrophize, but there's a, there's this protective instinct that our brains have. So we we focus in on these things that we believe are threats. And this is really where the magic can happen with the people that I work with. It's starting to develop this strategy of saying, what is, what is my mind telling me? And do I want to believe that? Right. Right. You have a choice to believe what your mind is telling you or say, Hey, thank you for raising this awareness to me, but I don't have to, I don't have to follow down that path of anxiety or or fear or 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 concern about this particular thing because it really it doesn't need to be that way. So I love that. I wrote it down. You know, what is my mind telling me? I don't have to chase that rabbit of fear and anxiety. That's yeah. great. Okay, so let's you, you you mentioned as we were talking about complacency about mindset, and we talk all the time at RFG, and believe um, a big part of what differentiates our platform is that we have this servant heart warrior mindset woven into the DNA of our culture. And yeah. I think if you ask anyone, they're going to say, I, you know, if given the choice, would you prefer to have an abundance mindset or a scarcity mindset? People are going to say abundance, but yet the the scientific research will indicate that the majority of people kind of live in a scarcity mindset. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think um, I think that's true, and, and in particular, I think Shannon that if you look at the it's it's somewhat challenging or dangerous to make gross generalizations, but let's take a look at the overall approach that advisors have had traditionally, right? They are entrepreneurs. They are, I ask advisors all the time, why did you get involved in this business? And the number one and two answers, I want to be my own boss and I want to make money, right? And and so uh, the next question is, well, did you get involved in the business to form a team or be a leader? And they often say, well, no, I haven't had anybody answer that question. Say, so, yeah, that's the number one reason why I became an advisor <laughs> is to is to form my is to be a leader of other people. But you tell me, Shannon, like how many advisors out there are complete solo practitioners? Even if they've got right, even if they're the only advisor, not any successful ones. <laughs> it's too complex a business. Yep. The businesses, you know, the needs of the clients, the time demands, all of those things. So that as the backdrop. Coming back to your question, right, around this sort of scarcity mindset versus uh, abundance mindset, the drive has been to make more, to gather more assets, to get, you know, more, more, more. And there's a bunch of studies that have been done about negotiation tactics and different ways to think about that. And and there are some people that are more of um, this idea that you know, the, the, there's a zero-sum game at play, right? The pie is fixed and there's no more. I need to gather at least 51% or more of the pie in order to feel like I'm winning. I think that's been a lot of advisors out there. And then there are others that say, well, let's grow the pie. Let's start to think about how can we provide more services to our clients? And, and one of the big areas where you're seeing this today is uh, certainly it started at the family office level where you've got people with tremendous assets. So money isn't really their concern. It's about 
How are we going to transfer the wealth over lifetimes? How are we going to prepare our people for that? How are we going to take care of mental health and and other uh, health issues that people might have, right? So it's not so much about the investment of the money. It's more about how do we manage our lives? But that's trickling down into core affluent, uh, high net worth uh, client base where advisors are taking care of much more than just the investments. They're really expected to be almost like life partners in helping their clients achieve their goals. Again, going back to money is a means to an end, not an end in itself. So with that as the backdrop, when I think about scarcity versus abundance mindset, the study that stands out to me is this Harvard Business Review. Um, you can look it up, but they were um, looking at uh, elite athletes uh, and particularly runners. And they did a study about runners that were told to run at 85% of capacity and runners that were told to exert themselves at 100% of capacity. Now, so if we relate this back to financial advisors, 100% of capacity would be a scarcity mindset, right? That I'm giving all that I've got and there's no more to give, right? There's I've, I've given 110%, 100% of what I'm doing, and that's all that I've got to give. Now, compared to the 85% people who say, like, I'm leaving a little bit in the tank so that if I need it, I've got it. That's more of an abundance mindset, right? I've got more to give. There's more out there. There's more energy to give out there. When they measured the performance of these athletes, the 85% athletes, the ones that were told, give 85% of your available effort, they outperformed the ones that were told to give 100%. I mean, it's remarkable. So what does that say to us? Yeah. Yeah, what does that say to us is that when we say there's more, to give. I've got more. We give more. Yeah. And one of the things that I do with my clients is ask them if we're working on a project, if it's going to be around um, leadership techniques, like I want you to have meetings every week with your direct reports, or I want you to, you you are looking to do a, a new marketing campaign, right? And we're going to have you get out there and do blog posts, or you're going to do podcasts or whatever. What I say to them is give B to B plus work. Right. We're not looking for A plus work because a lot of these people are they're know, they're so oriented. Yep. Got, they're A plus all the time. It's got to be perfect. And what do we know? Perfect is the enemy of good enough, right? Yeah. And good enough. And this goes back to this idea of the busy mind, right? When, when we yeah. talked earlier in this podcast about the, the advisors that are like, they can't shut off. It's this idea that like, hold on a minute, like, are you making a mountain out of a molehill and are your clients getting what they need from you in the moment? Or are you making up stuff that is causing you to spin out of control and not be able to shut off at night, get the sleep that you need, engage with your, with your family and your loved ones in the way that you need, engage with yourself right. in the way that you need, right? Recovery is so, so, so important. And so- I hope that that sort of frames out how I think about this scarcity versus abundance mindset. And I'll, you know, I'll tag in with two public service announcements. The first is uh, for all the independent advisors out there, two thirds of all assets are still captive in wirehouses. So we have generational wealth transfer, 67% of wealth will be controlled by women in about seven years. 
there is so much opportunity. So no need to be living in a, a scarcity world. And public service announcement number two, and we almost, Michael, need to circle back for a second podcast on this, is prioritizing sleep. It is the yeah. number one, I think, most abused um recovery tool out there. And if you're not intentional about what is my wind down routine, how am I going to guarantee that I'm getting seven to nine hours at seven to nine hours, not four to five of sleep, you're going to live, you're going to force yourself to live in a more scarcity mindset because you just, you don't have that, that, that downtime that your brain needs and your body needs to recover. You and I both love yeah, type sure. two fun. And I, I, you know, I think everybody understands what type two fun is in their kind of free time. Like I'm going to do this killer hike and it's, you know, uphill and it's hard and I'm going to hate it while I'm doing it. And then I'm going to get to, you know, get to the end. I'm going to love it. Or I'm going to do a really hard mission trip. And while the work is so rewarding, it's, you know, it's hard to do those. Those trips are, are, are incredibly emotional and very physically taxing or, I'm going to, you know, set these incredible goals that I have to pursue um, that are hard. So let's talk about type two fun in business. So great, Shannon. I, I would I would love to define a little bit more clearly what type two fun is. So people um, ask me all the time about this concept. Type two fun is stuff that you do that you do intentionally. You know, it's going to be difficult and you probably don't enjoy it as much during it as you do talking about it afterwards. So it's the things that we do that are going to lead to personal, uh, emotional growth um, in business. They, they lead to business growth. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of those things that I've found uh, to help my clients in, in engaging in to do fun. Um, but there are things like marathons or backpacking trips, or for some people, it might be writing a book or taking your kids to Disney. Um, right. You know, there are things that while you're doing them, you probably question your sanity. You say like, why did, why did I choose to do this? Yeah. Uh, but in hindsight, you, you brag about it, right? You tell other people about it. Nobody would run a marathon if they didn't get to tell other people about it. Right. Um, certainly was the case for me when I ran a marathon. And compare it to type one fun. So type one fun is stuff that's just easy and fun all the time. For me, it's, um, it's powder skiing in the middle of the week uh, at an at an empty resort. It's, um, there's not a lot of effort involved in right. doing it. And it's just fun from top to bottom. It might be drinking cocktails on a boat uh, for right. some of you or, or just going to the beach. Your type one fun, and this, this applies to all of it, your type one fun and your type two fun is different than everybody else's. So for every business... When I talk to them about this idea of, of type one and type two fun, when we talk about type two fun, it's like, what is the thing that you are aspiring to do in your business that is not currently happening, but you would love to see it happen? So questions that I ask people are, if you could wave a magic wand and fix or like achieve something in your business, what would that thing look like? What is that thing? Or what's something that's not happening in your business today that you would love to see happen? Because again, we go back to this concept of being complacent or sort of fat and happy versus this striving instinct. And what I find is that there are a couple of things that, that people uh, talk about. A lot of times it's, we want to grow revenue, right? That's yeah. maybe the number one thing, right? We want, we want to make more money. Sometimes people are interested in having a better team environment, 
right? I want my team to be better. I want to have better camaraderie. I want to have less conflict. Sometimes it might be around marketing. Uh, we want to uh, start a blog. We want to start a podcast. We want to open up a new uh, way of servicing our clients. And then a lot of the time, it is around things like, I want to retire at some point, or I want to change firms, or I want to build the team. So any of those areas can be what I would describe as that type two fun. There is no doubt that transitioning, like an advisor deciding to make a move to a new firm is 100% type two fun. And I think the important, you it's know, hard. I always talk about, it's really hard. And I always talk about like, you know, it, it, we, the way that we run our cadence is it's six to eight weeks of pre-planning so that on go live game day, like we are a well-oiled machine. We're just going to rock and roll on this. And then there is the, you know, the, the, basically the 90 days of the Valley of fear as you're transitioning your clients over, it's very yeah. rare, you yeah. know, transitions really honestly are almost most likely done in the first four to five weeks, but you want to give it, you want to be realistic. It's, you know, 90 days of the Valley of fear. And, and if you go into that with this mindset around, I am going to walk through the Valley of fear. It is going to be hard. This is supposed to be hard. It is supposed to be scary. Anyone tells you it's yeah. not, they're lying to you. That I do feel like if you if you start to condition yourself for type two fun, if you embrace, you know, it's kind of like embrace the suck. If you embrace the mm. suck, it makes it so much more palatable. And then you get to the other end of it and you're like, well, that wasn't really that bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are a couple of things that go into that. So I think number one is making sure that you don't make it too difficult, right? Emb embracing the suck is important. But let's let's make it within a certain a certain range. So if I tell you that tomorrow you got to go out and you got to run an ultra marathon, which is you know fifty impossible. miles or more, that's impossible, right? You're going to say there's no way that that's happening. I'm not doing it, right? I, yeah. I'm not capable or prepared to do it. But if I said to you, and I I'm not a runner, I'm a cyclist and a, and a skier and that sort of stuff. But I did, I did run at one point. If somebody said, okay, today we're going to start, you're going to work your way up to 10 miles in the next uh, three weeks, right? So tomorrow yeah. or today, you're going to go out, you're going to run, uh, you're going to run a mile and a half. And then tomorrow you're going to run two and a half miles. And so you're, you're building up that capability. So I used to be, um, I don't know if some of your audience might might be familiar with the organization called Outward Bound. Oh, yeah. Outward Bound is an organization that takes people, yeah, they take people out into the uh, into the wilderness, into environments that they typically don't exist in. And it's about self-discovery. It's about um, challenges. And so I, I was an instructor for them. And one of the things that we would do is we would take people rock climbing. Now, some people love rock climbing, other people don't. But the idea behind that was really understanding what is going to push them just outside their comfort zone, but not so far that they're going to be panicked. Because right. I can't tell you how many times you get people up on the rock yeah, and they'd get up, you know, 10 or 15 feet above the ground, they'd look down and they'd freeze and yeah. they'd be totally in this panic zone. So one of the challenges of financial businesses is when they start thinking about these large you know, we call them BHAGs. Uh, yeah. Typically, those are longer timeframes, 10 years or, or more. But even with shorter, you know, really intense 
uh, demands like changing firms or uh, you know breaking away or, or forming a team, it's important to break things down into much more digestible pieces. So that may be one of the one things, one of the key things that people can do as leaders to help make it more make it more um, palatable and more uh, tolerable for people. When I go when I go backpacking, I take my kids backpacking, and and we say like, okay. We've got six miles to go. We're going to break it up over the course yeah. of the day, right? So we're going to get to here by this time of day. And if we don't get there by that time of day, that's fine. But we're going to stop here for lunch. We're going to stop yeah. here for breaks every 30 or 45 same thing minutes. For we're advisors. going to stop for water. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing for advisors. Just really saying like, okay, here's what the first month is going to look like. And by the way, the next thing that they can do to help encourage that effort is recognizing the effort. We're so focused right. on, in this industry on outcomes. And outcomes are important. They're absolutely critical. It's important that we achieve what we set out to achieve. However, if we want to engage our team, if we want people to follow along with us, we need to recognize the efforts that they are making along the way. So celebrating doing those hard things and getting comfortable being uncomfortable, a big part of that is recognizing the effort that your team puts in. I mean, Michael, I can't imagine like it's almost your mic drop moment. That's like the perfect way to, you know, wrap up what I think is our, I'm going to call this the first chapter of our conversation because on our second chapter of a conversation, I'd love to do a follow-up and talk about the how hard it is to be a leader and talk about time management because I think those are two areas where advisors are really seeking your 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 counsel and and the great work that you're doing. But thank you so much for joining us today on Disruption Blueprint. I can't wait for the next time. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And um Shannon, I want to make this offer to all of your listeners. If they're interested in talking with me about any of these concepts, um, I'm happy to provide them with a free coaching session. All they need to do is go to my website. It's www.michaelflutterman.com. And uh, there'll be a link there where they can sign up for a free coaching session. That's so awesome. We'll make sure to get that in the show notes too and in the post. Great being with you today, Michael. Thank you for listening to the Disruption Blueprint podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.rfgadvisory.com or schedule a call on our advisor resources page. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific training strategy. Information here may be provided in part by third-party sources. These sources are generally deemed to be reliable. However, neither our guest nor RFG advisory guarantee the accuracy of third-party sources. The views expressed here are those of our guest. They do not necessarily represent those of RFG advisory, its employees, or its clients. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. 
Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place. RFG Advisory is an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of RFG by the Commission, nor does it indicate that RFG or any associated investment advisory representative has attained a particular level of skill or ability.